Good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. If you'll take your blue books and turn to page 253, we're going to sing more about Jesus. We're going to sing all four verses. Page 253. More about Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. We'll sing all three verses. Okay. 
lastly, on page 112, we'll sing God on the Mountain. And today as we're talking about how we're justified by faith, just remember, no matter what we're going through, we can rely on the Lord and His faithfulness. Even when our faith is weak, He's still faithful. And that's good to know. remember that God we're justified by your faith our faith in you nothing more nothing less God and you even give us that faith so Lord when we feel weak or feel like we're um, not living up to your standards God just help us to to be mindful of the fact Lord that you do everything God help us to be relying on that God not use that as a license to sin but Lord just rely on you so we can live that life that you've called us to be with us in the preaching hour. May, us, may we learn something more about you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. This morning we're still in the book of Romans. We're at chapter 4. If you want to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 4 this morning. <laughs> So far, the first three chapters basically has been Paul introducing us to the gospel, the importance of the gospel, and he starts by letting us all know that we need the gospel because we've all sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then as we ended chapter 3, we started with this new thought 
of how are you justified? How are you forgiven? How are you made righteous before God? If we've all sinned, then how does God make it right? How, how are we going to make it right? How are we going to be able to stand before God as sinners and Him look at us and say, not guilty? Well, Paul begins a theme here now that we're justified by faith. And so we start here in chapter 4 as he's talking about uh, being justified by faith. He uses Abraham as an example to us. An Old Testament example of how we're justified by faith. He says Abraham was justified by faith. Everybody remember Abraham in the Bible? Let's read about him in verse number 1 here in Romans 4. It says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? He's talking about according to human flesh. What has Abraham found? And he calls him the father, as we'll see down here in verses 16 and 17. He says, Our father. He's the father of all the redeemed. Verse 2 says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory. If you could stand before God and say, God, I'm righteous because I did whatever. Then you could glory. But he says here, but not before God. Nobody will be able to stand before God and say, I'm righteous because of my works or what I did. None of us can do that. Verse 3, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, there's some accounting terms through here. Anita will understand the accounting terms. And you think about that as we go through this. You know, the person that's got the ledger has the authority to mark you your debt, that you owe a debt, or that it's been paid. They're the one that writes down the debits and the credits, okay? So think of it like that. God really is the accountant. He's the one that's going to say, you're guilty, you owe a debt, or you're innocent, your debt's been paid. How does He do that? Well, it says here that Abraham believed God and it was counted... Marked down as righteousness for him. Just because he believed God. That's all he did. God made a promise to him, and Abraham believed it. And it was counted to him for righteousness. So he wasn't justified by works, but by faith. And we see beginning in verse 4 that faith is greater than works. Uh, Verse 4 says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. When you work, you create a debt for the person that you're working for. Right? You go to work on Monday, and you work all week, you're creating a debt for your employer. And on Friday... You expect him to pay up, right? The wages of your work is money in your pocket at the end of the week. Well, what does the Bible say the wages of sin is? Death. When you come into this world, you're working for sin. We come into this world, we're born sinners. We're slaves to sin from the moment we're born. Sin, we're working for sin. We're a servant to sin. We're creating a debt for sin. Sin has to pay a debt to us. Well, what is that debt? It's death. That's what we're earning as we're living on this earth working for sin. But praise God, we'll see as we go through this, that somebody paid that debt Somebody earned that for us. Somebody worked for us on our behalf and earned our wages for us. 
Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 5 here in chapter 4 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, the one that's working for sin is earning death. But the one that doesn't work at all, but just believes, then they get a free gift. It's counted for them as righteousness. So think about it like this. Sin owed wages to you and me, which is death. Jesus came and worked on our behalf. He says, move over, Alan. Let me do this work. Let me earn your wages on your behalf. Now, he wasn't a sinner. If, it, if Jesus had been born just a man, he would have been a sinner, would have had a sin nature. He couldn't have redeemed us. If Jesus was just a spirit, as some wanted to claim, especially early on after the birth of the church, then he really couldn't have died. He would have had no body to die. So he couldn't have earned our, our salvation either. Jesus had to be both God and man. By being God, he was sinless and perfect. By being man, he could actually take our place. So that's what he did. He took our sins upon him. He earned our wages for us. He went to work. I heard a guy say the other day, and, he, and, and I think he just said this to sort of get people to listen. He says, you really are justified by works. And of course, you know, you're going to say, what? That ain't what the Bible says. He said, you're justified by the work of Christ. Christ did the work. He earned our wages for us, and our wages was death. Now, his body died and was buried in a tomb for three days. That proves that he died physically. He paid those, that debt for us. But when he was resurrected into a glorified body and into eternal life in that glorified body, he proved that he is God, that he not only paid the debt of death, but he conquered it. He went through it and come out of it. And so you and I, through Him, can have our sins paid for and have a resurrection one day in a glorified body and have eternal life. Amen? So, that's what He's saying here. If you, if you work for something, then you're creating a debt. But He says that the reward to you and me doesn't come from work it comes from grace it comes from the work of Christ that's counted to us as grace and if you believe that if you believe what I just told you personally for yourself not just in your head not just intellectually but if you believe in your heart yes Jesus paid my sin debt yes he was raised to give me life I believe he's my Lord and Savior Bible says that right there is all you need to be saved. Verse 6, he says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You see, David understood this back in the Old Testament when he had sinned with Bathsheba. You know, David was a man after God's own heart, but he committed adultery. He committed murder. You know, he did some terrible sins. And he says, Lord, you know, I've sinned against you and you only. But then he understood that through God's grace, 
that his sins could be forgiven and that God would not impute sin to him. He wouldn't reckon sin to him. He wouldn't take the ledger and say, here's David, I count him as a sinner. No, I count him as righteous. Why? Because he believes in the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. That's the same thing with Abraham. Abraham believed God. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. You believe God, it's reckoned to you as righteousness. And he said, Blessed is the man whose sins are covered and his iniquities forgiven, and the Lord will not impute sin. So we see that not only is faith greater than works, because you see through faith, it's all paid for. And you're reckoned as righteous through that. But we see that justification by faith is available to all. Justification by faith is available to all who will believe. Verse 9 says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. What's all this talk about circumcision and uncircumcision? This, this believed that this church in Rome was probably started by Aquila and Priscilla. Remember, they had met Paul... And you know, they, they at one time had to flee from Rome because of a decree that was made that the Jews had to get out of Rome. They met up with Paul the Apostle. They worked with Paul the Apostle. And it's believed that as they went back to Rome that they're the ones that probably started this church. And so here were Jews and Gentiles in the same church together for the first time. The, the circumcised were the way of saying those that were under the old covenant, you would say, or under the covenant of Abraham, uh, they, they, they had been circumcised. They had been living by the law or whatever. Then they were the Gentiles that, of course, was without the law that were uncircumcised. And all through Romans so far, we see that Paul is trying to, to get the point across that it's not about Jew and Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised. It, it's about... All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all, we all, as the people say, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all come to God the same way. We all have to come to the foot of the cross to be saved. And so that's what he's saying. But he's wanting them to understand that Abraham received righteousness not when he was circumcised, but before he was circumcised. All, he didn't have to do anything, in other words. See, there'll be people later on, you'll read in the book of Galatians, where these Judaizers, they call them, came into the church and were saying, well, it's good that you have faith in Christ, but that's not enough. You need to add to that these particular works. Just like some other churches around today that want to say the same thing. Faith in Christ is just a part of it. no. The Bible says faith in Christ is it. So here were these Judaizers, see, that was wanting to come in and say, you've got to add the works of, of the, the Jewish religion into this. And so Paul's trying to make the point here, look, Abraham's the father of all that believe, and when he believed, he wasn't under any kind of covenant with God. He wasn't circumcised. He didn't have any kind of... Um, connection with God other than he just believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. If that makes any sense, say amen. amen. So he's saying that it, it wasn't anything like that so that he could be the father of all of us that believe and that righteousness could be imputed to all of us. He says later he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the covenant with God through faith. 
What's a seal? A seal, you know, everybody's had an opportunity to have a document that you had to have notarized. That's a seal. That's, that's a legal seal that says, you know, when you see that seal, this document, is, as Cole says, it's a signed document. It's a legal document. It, it's something that, that's got the, a stamp on it that proves that it's, it's genuine. All right. The seal of a believer today is what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. In, in Ephesians 1, verses, verse 13, he says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So in Abraham's day, Circumcision was just a sign, a symbol, a seal that he had believed God, he was counted as righteous, and that was just a seal to say that, that, that he was part of that group, if you would. Well, you and I today, when we believe, God puts His Holy Spirit in us. And we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the sign that you and I have been justified by faith. When you believe, you get the Spirit. And listen, you get the Spirit at the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You get all of the Holy Spirit you'll ever get at that moment in time. There's no such thing as receiving the Spirit again later down the road or receiving more of the Holy Spirit or receiving Him in a different way. I do not see that the Bible teaches that. You receive the Holy Spirit once and for all when you're saved. And you get all the Spirit you'll ever get. Now, He might not have all of you yet. He's working on getting more of you, but you don't get more of Him. And you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. So when, when God looks at you and me, He sees that seal. And He knows that we're His. The Scriptures tell us in Romans 8 that the Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are the children of God. That's our seal. I feel like that I'm not making any sense. <laughs> I'm having a hard time this morning for some reason. But I want you to get this. It's so, it's so neat how that the Lord worked on our behalf and earned our wages and that just believing that, we're no longer connected with sin in any way. The, the, the connection with sin has been taken care of. Now we receive through faith the grace and the salvation that comes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we receive the seal of the Holy Spirit saying that we belong to Him. I think that's wonderful news. Verse 12 says, In the Father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham which he had yet being uncircumcised. Alright, we've talked about that. Now, verse 13. We're going to see that, that works equal God's wrath. And faith equals God's grace. You know, when we went through the book of, well, the, the two books of Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, this idea of God's wrath stood out to me like it never had before. And now it's like every time I read something about the wrath of God, it's like it's in big bold print. And you start to see and understand, even here in the book of Romans as you read this, there, there's two things that God offers to people. It's His wrath or His grace. Those are the two things it's offered to. His wrath or His grace. And there are those that one day, because they didn't believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, they will receive the wrath of God. 
And there are those that have believed that are in His grace that will never see the wrath of God. Now He's saying to us here as we read through these next few verses that if you want to try to live by works, all you're going to get out of that is the wrath of God. If you're willing to live by grace through faith, then you get salvation or God's grace. Verse 13 says, For the promise that that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, you remember how that the Lord promised Abraham that he would make of him a great nation. He said that his descendants would, he said if you could count them, they'll be like the stars in the sky or the sands, you know, grains of sand. He said if you could count them, that's the way your descendants will be. And he wasn't just talking about Jews. He was talking about people of faith. Jews and Gentiles. And in verse 14 he says, For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. In other words, if you could become a child of Abraham, let's say, if you could become an heir with Abraham through the law, then there's no need for faith. If any one person on this, in this world could ever live a, a perfect life and, and, and stand before God and say, I made it here on my own merit because I kept your law, then we'd all be in, in a mess because that would be, the, that'd be how it would go. If one could do it, then we all could do it. But none of us can do it. So God made the way for us. So He said, if it was by the law of faith, it'd have to be void. Because the law worketh what? Wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. So if you're working and trying to earn God's favor through the law, you're going to fail, and all you're going to get out of it is His wrath. And you can, you can look through the notes if you have them and see I listed several places in, in the book of Romans where it talks about the wrath of God. But verse 16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by what? Grace. So works equals the wrath of God. Faith equals the grace of God. You want God's grace? Then you got to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, verse 9, it says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we will be saved from wrath through Him. You see, when, when you become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved from the wrath. You're saved from the judgment of God as far as judging sin is concerned, because it's been reckoned to you as righteousness. You're no longer reckoned as a sinner before God. You understand that? That's why I said I really think that justification or justified just as if I'd never sinned, I think that's a good way to look at it. You stand before God just as if you'd never sinned. Yeah, you did. And yeah, it had to be paid for. But now through faith in God's eyes, he doesn't see it. My uncle used to sing a song that said, uh, what sins are you talking about? Amen. You know, you stand, you go and you pray to God and you're talking about your sins and you're focusing on that and it's like God says, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. You know? So, the Bible says that He's taken our sins and put them as far as the east is from the west. I heard a preacher say one time that if you go north and south, you know, they meet. You, you travel from south to north, then you start traveling from north to south, then you start traveling from south to north. They meet. 
But if you travel east, you're always going east. You never see the west. If you travel west, you're always going west. You never, you never see the east. Pretty cool, huh? And God says that He's thrown our, our, our sins as far as the east is from the west. They never meet. Then he says also, in, uh, as we studied in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 5, 9, he says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I think that that's a, a, a clear indication in the context of, of the book of 1 Thessalonians that the church will not see tribulation, the great tribulation. We will not be a part of the great tribulation because that is the wrath of God poured out upon the unbelievers of earth. And we're not in that. We're not appointed to wrath. We've received grace through faith, not wrath. The book of James, uh, verse 6 in chapter 4 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore saith God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. The proud person says, I can earn God's favor. Well, you don't get God's grace when you're living like that. What do you get? The wrath of God. He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. The humble person says, God, I know I'm a sinner. And no matter how hard I try, I cannot live up to your standard. Please save my soul. Remember the story of the that, that was in the uh, one of the gospels. You know about the the, the publican and the, the sinner as they was in the synagogue praying. You know, one prayed. And, bragged about himself and the other one beat his chest and said be merciful to me a sinner Jesus was trying to teach us right there that's the attitude we gotta have gotta be humble God I can't do it I need you to do it for me I believe you did it through Christ that's where you get God's grace and then we see also here that faith brings the dead to life and that's the last thing I want you to see here as we finish up. Faith brings the dead to life. The Bible says you and I are dead in our trespasses and sin, but God quickened us, made us alive with His Spirit. Verse 17 in our text says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. There again, uh, Genesis 17.5 says, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be, called, shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. So, Abraham is not just father of the Jews. He's father of many nations. Those that come to God through faith. It says, Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead... The old King James word quickeneth just means to bring to life. Gives life to the dead. So that's what he's talking about here. And he said, And calleth those things which be not as though they were. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. <laughs> when, look, you can look at something and say, well, it's whatever. If God looks at it and He says it's something else, it's because He don't see it as it is, He sees it as it will be. And that's what faith is about. His faith is not looking at the things as, as, as they are, but as God says they will be. You see, I see myself right now as I am. And as I am right now, I'm saved. 
God's Spirit lives in me, but I have a split personality <laughs> because the old remnants of my sin nature still dwell in me as well. And I'm like Paul in Romans 7 at times. You know, the very thing that I want to do, I can't do. And the very thing I don't want to do, I find myself doing. My struggle with that old man. He wants to come in and have his way with my body and my mind. But yet the new man that I am wants to yield my body and my mind to Christ. Did anybody else have that struggle? I've heard it said that Charles Haddon Spurgeon said dead men don't wrestle. The fact that you wrestle with that is evidence that you're saved. Because if you wasn't wrestling with it, there's nothing in you that, that says, hey, this is wrong, I shouldn't do that. But God calls things as, as He sees them. When I read in the Bible that Paul looked at a church like the Corinthian church. You ever read the book of 1 Corinthians? That church, boy. I mean, they were in a mess. They had a guy in the church that was living in incest and living in an adulterous affair. They were taking each other to court, suing one another. They couldn't get along. Some in there says, well, I'm, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. You know, they were divided. I mean, they were in a mess. They were abusing the spiritual gifts, abusing the Lord's Supper. I mean, think about all that. What would you do if you walked in a congregation like that? You'd think, well, the Lord ain't here. I'm going somewhere else. But read the first chapter. How Paul talks about how God has blessed them. And what a wonderful work He's done in them. And you know what He calls them? Saints. He calls them saints. How could He do that? Because God calls things not as they are, but as they will be. As He sees them in the future. God calls me a saint. calls you a saint has nothing to do with your behavior at this moment in time. has nothing to do with anything like that. God already sees you and me as saints. Why? Because His Spirit lives in us. And we're saved forever. He already sees us as we will be. And that's good news this morning, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Verse 18 says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So he shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, J. Vernon McGee brought out an interesting point here that I want to share with you. He said that Sarah's womb was, was like a tomb. It was dead. There, there was no life there. So here's Abraham around 100 years old. Sarah's around 90. And God tells them that they're going to have a child. Now think about that. I mean, really think about that. By human standards, that was impossible. Said her, her, the, her calls her womb dead, the deadness of Sarah's womb. God can bring the dead to life. And and you know, understand here that Abraham didn't just understand that that God was promising him a son in his day and time he understood the implications of this that it was pointing to the Messiah that would come because in John chapter 8 verse 56 
Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. He understood what he was teaching him here. Abraham, it doesn't matter. You see death. I see life. I can bring the dead to life. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. God says, I can bring the dead to life. And the picture is just as with Christ. Christ was put in a tomb. He died for our sins. His body died physically. Jesus said on the cross, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. His spirit left his body. His body died. Was put in a tomb for three days. But just like God brought life out of Sarah's dead womb, He brought life out of the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. You get it? Life. And that life gives you and me life. How do you get it? By faith. Thank you. (laughs) That's exactly right. By faith. And faith alone. It says in verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what He had promised He was able to perform. What about you? God has promised you and me forgiveness of sin and eternal life through the work of Jesus Christ, through His death, His burial, and His resurrection. He says we can have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Do you believe that? Are you fully persuaded of that? No doubt. That's what the Lord wants for you and me. Verse 22 says, And therefore it was imputed to Him for what? Righteousness. Righteousness. (laughs) that's That's how He was saved. He just believed God. I'm asking you this morning, do you believe God? God has the accounting ledger. And if you want to work, then you're creating a debt for sin that will be owed to you one day and it will be paid to you. And it will be death. If you believe that Jesus has already settled things for you with sin and that's been paid and that in Him is forgiveness of sin and eternal life, then just believing that, the Bible says God credits it to you as righteousness. Verse 23 says, Now it was not written for His sake alone that it was imputed to Him, but for us also to whom it, to whom it shall be imputed if we, believe that Je- that if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. There again, just as God brought dead, life out of Sarah's dead womb, He brought life out of the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea when our Lord was raised in a glorified body for all eternity for us. If you believe that, it's imputed to you as righteousness. Verse 25, Who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our what? Justification. Justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. He was raised so that you could stand before God and God can say, what sins are you talking about? I don't see any sins that count against this person. They've been paid for. He's been checked off as righteous. She's been checked off as righteous because they believe the Word of God. 
folks, that's how you saved. You believe God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for this message this morning. I pray that you've preached it. And I pray you'll put it in the minds and hearts of every one of us in accordance with your will and for your glory. Apply it to our lives. I pray for anyone this morning, Lord, that's not sure if they're saved, that they'll understand that all they have to do is believe the Word of God, that Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. Go with us and lead us and guide us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.